Good morning and happy Father's Day to all. And um, I'm blessed too, like Nathan. I'm surprised my family came to support so, and my granddaughter. So, uh, oh, by the way, I'm I'm Larry, and um, I thought there would only be ten people today, but <laughs> congratulations! Uh, I heard the magic word was potluck, not Larry. <laughs> anyway, um, good morning. Um, I feel privileged to share the word with you as we journey together. Um, the title of the message is called, The Call to Something. Welcome, and I want to wish, again, all the fathers, but we begin the new series. It's called, well, it was supposed to call Between, about finding God in transitions, using the story of the children of Israel as they emancipated from slavery to going to the land of milk and honey and trying to find their new home uh, and leaving Egypt behind. But the theme for the first week is from the burning bush. Uh, you'll see a picture later on, not now. The idea that in every transition, first there is a call to something. There's a call to something. And for Moses, it was a call to go back to um, get the Israelites out of slavery and go forward in freedom with God. So the scripture this morning you may read in, on your iPhones, like I have mine iPhones and I have a, a little Bible, and I don't know why I bought this little Bible, because my 26-year-old eyes can't see it anymore. <laughs> but anyway, um, as we look at the scripture, and uh, it's a long bugger. I couldn't take out the small ones because I, I wouldn't have done it any justice, but it comes from the Old Testament, written by Moses, speculated Moses from the 5th to the 9th century. And um, it begins, if you may look in your bulletin, it's there. And chapter 3 starts off with, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush, a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am. Moses replied, do not come any closer. The Lord warned, take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, not parasites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. And Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, 
and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask me, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also has said, say, said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of all your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told them, I have been watching closely, and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from the oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. The elders of Israel accept your message. Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Thanks be to the word of God that does not return void and accomplishes this, its purpose. This is the end of your sermon. Let us pray. <laughs> nah, that was a mouthful. So this morning, I'm just going to take some snippets and going to give a challenge and then end up with some worship, okay? And um, first of all, when we look at tying the books, it's Exodus 1 to all the way to Exodus 13. Um, Exodus 1, basically, Joseph was living in the land with his 70 descendants. And talk about population, not ZPG, it's exponential growth. They grew from 70 descendants, and I looked it up, to 2 million Israelites. As I in chapter 1, the king that uh, Joseph was serving, he died. And there was a new king, and he got all like bent out of shape. He said, there's too much Israelites. And forgive me as a local guy, there's too much cockroaches multiplying. <laughs> and it was like he was getting paranoid. And so he had these um, midwives take a look. And for every male born, he wanted to kill them off. But the midwives were so, they feared God in chapter 1 that they did not. Then in chapter 2, you find Moses being put into a basket that was with some tar so he could float on the water. And what happened was the princess was going to take her bath, her bath, and she was coming to the river, and she saw the little basket, and she told some of her maidservants to go and fetch the little basket, and in it, she found the baby, Moses. And Moses, I looked it up, means in Hebrew, to be drawn out, to be drawn out of the water. So Moses was given this privileged life after growing up, Probably about six months, they were weaned off of the, the feeding, and Moses was brought into Pharaoh's place to live, and he stayed there for 40 years. So now we jump into chapter 3. So chapter 3, basically, Moses went out of the palace, or what that nice place was, and he was looking around, and he saw an Egyptian supervisor or person and beating up on an Israelite or a Hebrew slave. 
So Moses, he got mad and he looked around and then he killed the Egyptian. So as he continued his um, daily, daily living in Egypt, he then saw two, two Hebrews fighting. And he said, hey, what are you guys two doing? What are you, guys are, what are you fighting for? And then one of the Hebrew guys turned around and says, what? You're going to do the same thing that I saw you do, kill that Egyptian? So Moses became afraid. And all of a sudden, he knew that they knew. And he fled. So in chapter 3, he, 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 he ditches off to the land of Midian. That was about maybe 771 miles uh, of Egypt. And um, Moses basically, in his transition from prince to shepherd, he became that type of transition. From prince smelling the incense to the smells of the outside on the field. So he was tending to the sheep at the foot of Mount Sinai. And guess what happened there? Boom. Karen, could you have that? Um, could you have that slide, please? This is what happened. As Moses was tending the sheep, and all of you who are faithful in Sunday school, whatever churches you went, you remember that this burning bush experience, this was a dialogue between God and Moses. And then Moses was curious that the bush was burning. And I mean, it wasn't burning to a crisp. It was just burning. And he went down and he went and he said, I wonder what this is going on. So he looked and then God just told him, hey, stop. This is holy ground. Take off your sandals. And the interaction of Moses and God began. So I find it very interesting that this was basically, to me, this burning bush experience, got his attention, like God's going to get your attention no matter what. He used a burning bush, or he used someone to talk to you, or just plain simply, the Holy Spirit just goes in your heart, or someone just tells you, hey, you better do this. <laughs> That's how God speaks in many different ways. And um, he spoke to Moses to a burning bush. And... Um, for four decades, think about it. Moses was feeding and protecting sheep for his father-in-law. Talk about an uneventful routine. To take care of sheep, I, I wanted to know what shepherds do. Do any of you here are shepherds take care of sheep before? I, I kind of was going to place a bet on you guys, but I, I did. Uh, my best friend Google said, to take care of sheep, shepherds need to Understand sheep behavior and characteristics. That's number one. Number two, provide adequate sustenance for the sheep. Water and feed, grass. And number three, they have to provide safe and adequate shelter and fencing for the sheep. And number four, they schedule and perform routine medical care for the sheep. The shepherds also might do is take the sheep out to fresh grazing, brand new grass, each day and bring them back to bed to the same very night. And this might be my last time to share a message, but I have to stick this one in. You know, Moses is watching the sheep in this uneventful routine day after day after day. I would venture to say that Moses is the author of Counting Sheep. Okay? And there's one more. I have my granddaughter in honor of her. Emmy, what does the sheep say? Okay. What does the sheep say, gang? Okay, you guys are good. Thank you for participating with me. 
That's, that's what happens in an uneventful routine of life. The same thing day after day. That's what Moses was doing. The burning bush just said, hey, Moses, I have something for you to do. So Moses, who lived in Pharaoh's household for 40 years, made that drastic transition from prince to shepherd for another 40 years. For those of you who are uh, as old as I am, 50 plus, do you remember what happened 40 years? I'm not offending those who are below 40 years, okay? I just want to test. This is not an Alzheimer's test, okay? This is a test to see, do you remember what happened 40 years ago? Okay, put on your thinking caps, think about it. 40 years ago in 1983, did you know that Chicken McNuggets was invented? Karma Chameleon Culture Club was the number one song. And The Return of the Jedi was the number one movie. And the Space Shuttle Challenger was launched on its maiden voyage. What were you doing 40 years ago if you were that mature as I am? I remember I was graduating from in Pasadena, California. So years after that 40 years Moses left Egypt, the people of Israel were not getting any better days. Slavery and torture had gotten worse. With this, they cried out to God. He saw and heard the people. At that moment, he knew his will must be done. So that's why God had to meet Moses in the burning bush. While Moses grazed the flock in the mountains, God did appear to him. The burning bush experience, in summary again, is simply God divinely meeting Moses and giving him a divine calling or a point commission. So point number one, if you join with me, God will call or point us to do something for him in our uneventful routine of life. Uneventful is, some of you might say, nah, I just watch my grandkids. Uh, I take a walk. I feed breakfast for the children every day, take them to school. I do laundry. I clean house. I take care of the dogs. I take care of Sparky. And the routine and the list goes on. Uneventful, right? But there's a calling. There's an instruction and command given to Moses. That was the primary calling for each one of you this morning. And this is what you only have to remember. The primary calling for you this morning is your coming to Jesus Christ for your own personal salvation. This is not a message to address the calling to a vocation, but to a call to a instruction from God and a purpose to accomplish. In 1946, during a train ride from Calcutta to Darjeeling, Mother Teresa received what she called a call within a call. The Lord asked her to begin a new religious community that would live and work with the poorest of the poor. And for those of you, do you remember the name Jim Elliott? Okay. For those of you who come from the missionary background, Jim Elliott was a missionary to uh, Ecuador, to the, uh, in Quito, uh, Ecuador, to the Alca Indians, who eventually, he tried to minister to them, finally it was ripe, but eventually went out into the river and they killed him. And then following that, his, as a result of that calling, God worked it out, a plan, God had a plan, brought back his wife and his daughter and others to minister to that tribe who eventually became Christians. But there was a sacrifice. And he left us with a saying, 
He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain, what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain, what he cannot lose. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. This morning, we know that Moses had a 40-year hiatus in Midian. He was tending to sheep when God called him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land. But I know that my other preaching team will cover what happened. Yes, these individuals, Mother Teresa, Jim Elliott, Moses, they gave in big and small ways. So whether the calling or appointment is big or small, how are we called or appointed to do something for God? That's a question I have. How are we called? I'm sure you know some people who have been called and appointed by God and are doing great things. The common factor with Moses, Mother Teresa, and Jim Elliott is common amongst us. The people you know who are doing great things for God and others, whether they are in their stage of life, God was, is preparing us as individuals in the uneventful routine of life. However, when God called, they were unable to say yes to the call, but they said yes in a special way. Moses, in a humongous way, his call was now able to use his shepherding skills for 40 years, which was lovingly caring for the sheep, which then transferred to caring for the Israelites in their long journey to Canaan. What do you, well, let me just put it this way. I had to hit on the word transition. Transition is a time when Moses was in the desert to hear God's voice. It was his time to pray. It was his time to dive into scripture or the Torah to allow you to grow and develop his relationship. The question before you and I this morning, what do you sense God prompting you to do, even if it doesn't yet make sense? Even when we feel, strongly feel that God is calling us to do something, sometimes we doubt because we don't understand how we will do it. As you saw Moses in his interaction, his real authentic relation, uh, um, I guess, connection with God, the conversation. But we need not fear. We need to learn, and this is normal, to step out in faith anyway. When Moses was in transition, experiencing the burning bush commission from God, I'm sure he was fearful and he objected to what God called him to do. God encourages, enables us beyond our fears. It's beyond our fears, beyond our objections to what he calls us to do. And bring up the chart, please. There's a chart behind me. I'm going to go over it. And there's about three questions, and there's two statements. The three questions are from Moses to God, and it says, who am I to do this? Who are you, God? What if the people won't listen to me? Statements are, I'm not good with words. Please send someone else. If we look at Moses and we look at ourselves honestly, as we put ourselves in Moses' shoe, he had fears and objection. Who am I to do this? He felt very inadequate. He felt unbelief. Who are you, God? That's my favorite one. Who are you, God, to call me to do this? Doubtful, questioning. What can you, and basically there's a bargaining chip. What can you do for me, God? You know, that's always an outcome. What if the people won't listen to me? There's, there's a part of me who's insecure. There's a fear of rejection. People won't listen to me. I'm not good enough. I'm not good with words. Inadequate and self 
comparing. Moses told his brother Aaron, he's the better speaker. In this part, no, you go ask him. You go ask her. She better. No, you nudge. You go, yeah, he can do them. But, hey, Moses was good company. We're in good company with Moses. Please send someone else. Inadequate self-comparing. And then on the far right, you see basically God says, I am with you to the very begin from the very beginning to the very end. His assurance to that question, when am I going to do this? God will be with us. The word Emmanuel that comes from the um, New Testament, uh, Old Testament, but is sung in Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. Who are you, God? The Almighty God of the universe is the one who calls us, and he will fulfill our calling. What if the people don't listen to me? God will open doors, perform miracles, and whatever else it takes to accomplish his mission. I'm not good with words. This is what got me. It is not our words, but God's power that will accomplish his purposes in our lives. Please send someone else. God patiently helps us through our sense of inadequacy to complete our calling. That is not three questions. It's not two statements. It's plainly five excuses that you and I, in our internal self, will ponder, will contemplate, and will actually say, no, no can, not me, somebody else, please. So which objections do you have in your calling? How is God encouraging you in spite of them? Moses feared that he would not be able to do what God told him to do, but God helped overcome his fears and his objections. And guess what, people? God will do the same for us. There's a verse that I found that gives me my heart, strengthens my heart. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my victorious right hand. Isaiah 41.10. Let's now jump into point number two. When God calls or appoints you to do something for him, he'll direct the plan of action in the blank and steps in finishing the call or appointment. Let me back up. Moses' call was like, you're going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt to the promised land. Think about it. There were about over 600,000 people that he had to gather and organize. So when we have church camp, we organize for about 50 to 60 people. It takes many, takes many weeks or even a month. Think about what Moses had to do. He had to go like get out right away because I was going to say Pharaoh was PO'd, but he was mad after all the plagues. And so they had to get out really fast. So this was a plan of action that Moses had to follow. He had to do the steps. But he said, God answered, uh, Moses said, how come we do this? God answered, I'll be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Verse 12. And then I found another verse that you can participate with me. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Can you circle, can you underline directs and circle steps of the godly? Underline directs and circle the steps of the ungodly. Second part of that in Psalms 37.23, he says he delights in every detail of their lives. This is what I was talking about, the uneventful routine of your life. 
That's every detail from brushing your teeth, picking up the rubbish, list, men listening to our women, put down the toilet seat, okay? Something like that. You can do it, guys. I know it's Father's Day, so it's special. You don't have to today, okay? <laughs> okay. Have you ever thought you have no purpose in this world, that you are just meant for a simple life? I believe that's what Moses thought so. He ran away from his misdeed, killing the Egyptian. He thought he could escape from that life of being arrested, put to death by Pharaoh. He may have even thought of living peacefully by in the desert and mountains until he died. But guess what? God had greater plans. God didn't give only Moses the simple task of sending his word. He chose Moses to deliver his people, the Israelites, to the promised land. He chose Moses to be the leader of the Israelites. In our lives, sometimes, our plans and our dreams will not matter or happen no matter how hard we try. Because you know what? I found out God has more in store for you. It is his will that will prevail. Moses did not have an easy time what God told him to do. There were days that he felt hopeless and low in spirit. If you continue to look from Exodus all the way to chapter 13 and 14, you're going to see that Moses even questioned God saying, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to these people and you have not delivered your people at all. Exodus chapter 5 and 22. But guess what? God had planned out everything. In that chart, you're going to see at the end, God had planned out everything. Even when things became difficult, Moses would call out to God. At the end of the task, we know Moses was victorious with God. But you and I live daily lives. Things get out of hand. Sometimes we don't understand what's happening. Especially when we, sit, we face uncertainties financially, health-wise, and the list goes on. We do not know if something will go well or not. And just like Moses, we need to be faithful. So be faithful to God. Listen and follow his command. He will never give us a challenge that we cannot handle. He gives us the greatest challenges to you and I who can become the toughest heroes. The greatest hindrance, point number three, in our spiritual life is that we look. We look for the big things. Big things. That's in the blank to do and forget about the small things. I'm going to teach you something this morning called FTO. Okay, as you turn your paper around, or you already have it around, you're going to see um, basically how many dots can somebody count for me on the top? Nine total? You got three, right? Um, I'm old school. I know those guys cannot see, so you can ask your neighbor. Okay? There's going to be nine dots, okay? I always do this for my class at Liebert and West Oahu. Um, I, I teach a, um, <laughs> this is the wrong person, study skills class. I never studied. <laughs> you can ask my friends at Fuller. Dale, Pastor Dale and I was a social directors. <laughs> so there is this task. We're going to develop our FTO, and I'm going to explain to you those two. We're going to finish and end up with worship, okay? So you're going to connect all nine dots, okay? Listen to this. Connect all nine dots, three, six, three on the top, three in the middle, three on the side. I give you permission to work with each other. I came from the teaching 
collaborative learning for those of you who work for the Department of Education. Okay, we don't have we don't have a learning outcome for this. You do it, you're good. You don't do it, you're good. Okay, so connect all nine dots with only four straight lines. Okay, four straight lines. Don't start now. Listen to the directions without lifting your pen or pencil off the paper. If you don't have a pen or pencil, I was supposed to pass it out like in class, but I forgot the pencils. <laughs> so share pens or pencils with somebody. And I'll give you two minutes on the watch that my daughter gave me, Swatch. It's called Swatch. Okay, two minutes. You can work together. But let me, before you start, I want an honest answer from you. Is this possible? Who says this possible? Okay. Uno, dos, tres. Okay, three, four, five. Okay. Who says this is impossible? Hey, no shame. Okay, you guys don't know yet, okay. Okay, on the swatch watch, are you ready? Two minutes, connect all nine dots with four straight lines without lifting your pen or pencil. Uh, no questions, please, go. This is the only time you're gonna do something in church. You can talk, you can collaborate with each other. I think Pastor Dan got the answer. If you want to go back, um, his answers are $5 each, okay? Yeah, Pastor Dan? And we split 50% after the service. Pastor Dan figured it out for 30 minutes and he got the answer. Usually in the class, I give extra credit that adds to the semester grade. <laughs> Okay, one minute has gone by. Okay, you have another minute. I see some of you doing effort. That's good. Some of you are just saying, nah, I'll wait for the answer. That was me. Oh, Donna, I would call up. Donna, come up to the board and let's give the answer. Hey, Donna, you want to come up and try? Oh, okay, see? We have a good critical thinker. Paper's not big enough. I didn't think about that. For me, this paper that you have in your hand, this is big. Okay, relatively speaking. Okay. Okay, Donna, you want to come and show? Okay. We have audience participation. Give it up for Donna. Watch your step, ma'am. It's a game host show today. She gets to eat first at potluck. Okay. Four lines, four straight lines. Okay, let's count. Let me hold the board. One, two, Okay, keep on going, keep on going, okay. And then three, and then four. And ladies and gentlemen, high five, Donna. Oh, okay, you did a good job. Okay, Donna is considered, if you take the Myers-Briggs, is an INTP, an introvert that basically has good critical thinking and is very structured. I don't know if that's you, but those are the ones that my psychologist friend at school told me figure it out. I disagree. I like us extroverts, social sensing, unorganized to figure this out. Let me show you why. Okay, here it goes. For those of you, you know, can see, I'll show you later. Most of you thought this way. You see what Larry's doing? One, two, three, four. I, I made a box. 
This is my favorite restaurant this time I'm going to eat for Father's Day. Jacques in a box. Okay? You guys think in a box saying to this message, I can't do big things. He speaks or she speaks better than me. She's more organized. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. And the list goes on within the inside. You and I box ourselves in. Donna went outside the box. This and this. That's the first F. F is for faith. Outside of the box, Donna went with faith. Even when we strongly feel that God calling us to do something, sometimes we doubt because we don't understand how we'll do it. But we need not fear. This is normal. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. Moses did that. He was called. He didn't want to do it. You're going to see all the questions that you saw. Moses was challenging God and his statements. But he was growing. God was growing him and was growing his faith. I'll give you an example. And... Our former pastor, when I was going to seminary with him, this was back in 19, I don't know when Anthony was born. Nathan, when was Anthony born? I don't know. I went to his apartment, Pastor Dale's apartment with Bev at that time. And Anthony was on this coffee table with his diapers. Haraka. <laughs> okay. He was, and then Pastor Dale sitting on the floor said to Anthony, jump, jump. And then me, unmarried, no kids, just coming to school, Whoa, he going to make the baby jump. Oh, my goodness. And then guess what? Anthony just jumped into Dale's hand. And, ah, he was laughing. Boom. That was my picture of faith. Anthony jumping into the hands of the father. Did you ever have the experience, you jump into the hands of the father? We just had dinner with Margie's um, cousin. And I told him, I'm going to give this message about faith. And I said, she gave me something. I said, hey, Pat, I'm going to use them, so I'm going to tell them. I'm going to tell you guys. Oh, I'm going to share it with you folks. Um, when you jump off the cliff, God will catch you in his arms, and he'll teach you how to fly. Ooh, I like that. The image. And I like that Anthony jumping into Dale's arms. The Father is there, and faith. And, of course, i got to give you the scripture, yeah, for faith. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through, I mean, not 1 through. Okay, 1 and 2, faith is the definition. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. From Exodus to Hebrews, we got Moses was written up. Verse 24 in Hebrews 11, it says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. Preceding the chapters after that, and I guess in 6 and 7. Okay? So Moses started off with faith. That's the first out of the box. The next is T.O. For those of you, T.O. is basically... I coined this from a new concept called trusting obedience. 
It's supposed to be trust and obey. Trusting is an adjective that describes obedience. So trusting is kind of like a, a verb that's ongoing, that you're trusting. It's ongoing trusting. Obedience is the noun that receives that. And let me define this. We know this because even Moses did his level best to get out of the calling. He tried to get out of the calling. He allowed God to draw the best out of him. Something strong had formed inside of Moses in those desert years in the transition that enabled him to rise to huge challenges. This was the guy who marched back into the Egyptian court. They had a warrant for his arrest, declaring to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, let my people go. Who Moses, when his big moments, he became in his small ones. Long before the burning bush, the inner person of Moses was being shaped by God. His obedience, his respect for God, his love and trust in God was demonstrated in his obedience. Obedience is a function of respect. Let me repeat that. Obedience is a function of respect. Because Luke 11.28 describes obedience always brings blessing. Luke 11.28 says obedience always brings blessing. Some situations call for trusting obedience. Some of you might be scratching your heads. Come on, Larry, let's get into some details. You know what God is saying, but you're not sure of the why. You know what God is saying, but you're not sure of the why or the how behind his command. What he's asking you to do might be unprecedented. This may be your first time to follow him in this fashion, and therefore, it is scary. Some people have given you a hard time. And others think you are somewhat strange, but that is the nature of trusting obedience in a call. You have limited understanding, but you still trust God. Though you're unsure how he's going to provide, you still trust God. At many times, lo and behold, his provision is much more creative and thorough than you anticipated. This is the fruit of trusting obedience. This is why God blesses trusting obedience. He knows your situation. He knows your heart. He knows your needs. He's a master at connecting your need with his provision. He uses unconventional, routine, uneventful routine means so that he's guaranteed to get the glory. Can you say glory with me? Glory. He gets the glory. And Moses demonstrated a deep love for God, as you can see when he journeys, as the other pastors will continue. And his impetus to serve God and his chosen people. Let me conclude with this summary. None of us, myself included, will obey God perfectly in, Christian, in our Christian life and our calling. But the more we do, the more we do out of genuine love for him, the more fully we'll experience his joy as to grow in our faith, to practice trusting obedience, which becomes fruitfulness in fulfilling our call or appointment, big or small. This is what matters to God. Amen. So this morning, on oh, Saturday morning, I was in the shower because I never take a bath for two days. No, just kidding. <laughs> and this song came to me, and I don't know if the worship team knows it, but Bear with me, and for some of you, um, this song is called Hallelujah. And it goes like this, and with your eyes closed, and giving God, what, listening to him this moment, whatever he's calling you for to do, big or small, Hallelujah simply means praise be to God, for you are his worship. And the song goes, I don't know, Hallelujah. 
Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Sing with me. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Amen.